So our message this morning uh, is going to be, and you, if you want to get in your Bibles, that's fine if you want to take notes, but um, if you believe that I'm not going to lie to you, and I'm going to preach the Word of God to you, then just listen to what I'm saying. So we're going to be speaking this morning out of John chapter 5, verses 1 to 13. As God was laying this message on my heart this week, I was, I was amazed at how many times he changed the message. I was like, man, I thought we had it, and now we're, you know, we're, we're you know, going a different direction, and but that just proves to me that the Bible is a living, breathing, you know, uh, everyday thing that, that we need in our lives. Amen? Amen? Amen. So John chapter 5, verses 1 to 13. John says here, Sometime later, Jesus went up to Jerusalem for a feast of the Jews. They were, it was probably a feast of Pentecost. <clears throat> now they're in Jerusalem near the Sheep Gate, a pool, which in Aramaic is called Bethesda and which is surrounded by five covered colonnades. Here, a great number of disabled people lie, the blind, the lame, and the paralyzed. One who was there had been an invalid for 38 years. When Jesus saw him lying there and learned that he had been in this condition a long time, he asked him, do you want to get well? Sir, the invalid replied, I have no one to help me into the pool when the water is stirred, and while I'm trying to get in, Someone else goes down ahead of me and gets in before me. Then Jesus said to him, get up, pick up your mat and walk. At once the man was cured. He picked up his mat and he walked. The day on which this took place was a Sabbath. And so the Jews said to the man, now whenever they say Jews here, they're referring to more the Jewish leaders, not all the Jewish people. So just so you understand that. And so the Jews said to the man who had been healed, it is the Sabbath and the law forbids you to carry your mat. But he replied, the man who made me well said to me, pick up your mat and walk. So they asked him, who is this fellow that told you to pick it up and walk? The man who was healed had no idea who it was. For Jesus had slipped away into the crowd that was there. Heavenly Father, I thank you for your word this morning. Lord, so many times we're looking for a word. And and maybe our hearts just aren't ready to to receive that word. Why I pray this morning, Father, that right now you're moving in this place and that we would know that not for one minute were we ever forsaken in our walk with you but i pray this morning right now father that pride would be stripped away from our hearts lord that uh, that the callousness that have been built up maybe over years of mistreatment from other people would be stripped away this morning father i pray against all bitterness and unforgiveness that could be in our hearts right now that could be preventing a relationship of, of being closer to you I ask now, Father, in Jesus' name, that, that our hearts would be open to receive your word this morning and that we would be able to go from this place feeling refreshed and renewed and walking in victory. And all God's people said, amen. Amen. So just a few quick explanations about some of the, the words in the verse here. Because I know as I was reading it, I was like, I don't know what a sheep gate is. I don't know what they're talking about. So I just assumed that you guys are always dumb as me. <laughs> so... Sheepgate here, yes. Sheepgate here is the gate in Jerusalem where they would take the sheep for the sacrifice at the temple. So probably a pretty big area of town, I would guess. And uh, you know, the, probably this region of Jerusalem was was busy. Um, I would probably compare it to a, a big city in in our day. So, and I, and I found it was interesting too. The more I dug, um, that it was later renamed Stephen's Gate in honor of our first martyr, Stephen. And um, I always think Stephen should get more credit. 
You know, my goodness, I mean, the, the seed that that guy planted in then Saul of Tarsus, you know, went on to be Paul and wrote over half of the New Testament. You know, that guy's amazing to me. I love, I love reading about Stephen. So, but then I was looking at Bethesda, and I saw that where it literally means house of mercy. House of mercy. And I thought, man, there's a pool at this place called House of Mercy. Man, could we use a pool like that today, amen? You know, I know when I was growing up, um, I, was, uh, I, had, I had one big crush in my life, and she's sitting right over here. It's my wife, Robin Latchford. And um, <laughs> Robin Latchford at a swimming pool, I mean, she's in her glory, you know? So that's where she loves to be. So I know that that's where she would be if we had a pool of Bethesda right now, <laughs> somewhere around here. And uh, in fact, whenever we were, we were younger, my, my wife's a few years older than me, so I was a little knot-headed kid who would just, you know, just, you know, oogle when she went by and probably got on her nerves. But, you know, a hush would come over the crowd when Robin States was going to go off a diving board. Amen. I mean, all us little boys, we'd watch, you know, and she'd get back there on the diving board and adjust her two-piece bikini and then pull the sides up. And, boy, when she dismounted off that diving board and made a splash about that high, everybody cheered. We just loved it, you know. So... I did, did I promise you I wasn't going to embarrass you? Yeah, I'm sorry if I did that. So. <laughs> I don't do that. I don't make promises behind the pulpit. I may have at home, but yeah, not behind the pulpit. So, so I, I'm looking at the, the, our text this morning, and I, and I found it interesting that they actually noted that, that this guy had been sick for 38 years. Pretty significant for them to note it in the Bible. Sick for 38 years. You know, that tells me that his condition must have been pretty well known. Probably everybody around knew this guy. I don't know if he was the mayor of the Pool of Bethesda or, or what, but it tells me that he was pretty well known. And, and I was, as I was thinking about that, I thought, I know how I am whenever something's ailing me or something's going on in my life. Man, I try to fix it like that. How could this guy do this for 38 years? You know, and, and as I was asking that, a little bit of, Spirit of judgment was coming over me. Why would somebody live like that? I mean, because to me, if, if there was something where I could see a healing and all I, knew, all I had to do was get from here to there, man, I'd be beside that pool, sitting on the edge like Jacques Cousteau getting ready to dive in. So, um, but I, don't wanna, I didn't want to, as I was reading that, I thought, I don't want to judge this guy. I have no idea what was going on in his life. Because how many times do people do that? You know, we want to look at somebody and we want to say, why are you in your condition? I didn't mean to point at you, Bill Means. but <laughs> He's as handsome as ever, God bless him. But so many times we want to do that. We want to try to look at somebody and say, how could they stand living like that? Why do they want to be that way? Why do they want to be on drugs? Why do they want to be on meth? Why do they want to have pockmarks all over their face from their drugs, drug abuse? I'm telling you, they don't. <laughs> and I began to realize, I was like, oh my goodness, I think in my life I've done this. I've actually judged people, you know, in their physical condition, and I think, we can't do that. Amen? You know, and over the years, um, I did a, a lot of ministering with people who were down on their luck, and they had issues going on that I really couldn't begin to understand. Fortunately, I knew who I could direct them to, you know, in Jesus, but a lot of times I had to, you know, my, my heart would get broken because I had to share with them, listen, your issue is nothing more than a self-imposed obstacle. 
And that, trust me, I, I hate giving uh, counseling that way. You know, whenever you have to get real with somebody and you have to look at them and say, everything you're going through, is, it is as a result of what you want right now and what you're doing right now. If you're not going to change your lifestyle, if you're not going to change your thinking, if you're not going to be transformed by the renewing of your mind, I can't help you. Amen? Because sometimes those people begin to drag us down. We can't, we can't, it, it's so much easier to drag people down than it is to pick them up. Amen? You know, and that's where, where I realized that counseling had to go. You know, explain to that person where you're at right now is as a result of what you've been doing. And until you're willing to change it, it's, it's going to stay the same. And you can keep coming to me, and, and trust me, a lot of times I'll sit with them, I'll have coffee or whatever and, and talk, but it gets to a point where you actually feel bad that they're not getting any better. You've got you to swallow your pride as a counselor and, and refer them to somebody else. And say, sorry, you've got to go on because you're simply not listening. And I have to believe that as Jesus was walking through this, this, this area, I can't, I can't imagine, like, whenever he got to this guy, what, what he, he had been thinking along those lines, maybe, knowing that he had been like that for that long. I wonder, whenever he said to him, do you want to be well? Do you want to be made well? Legitimate question, probably, coming from Jesus. You've been like this for 38 years. You got the solution right in front of you. You know, there's a pool there, a healing pool. And I, I guess there was a time that they believed that an angel of the Lord would come down and stir the waters, and, and people could go into the water and be healed. You know, and, and I found it interesting, too, that this guy, when Jesus asked him, do you want to be made well, he didn't answer yes or no. He gave him an explanation. Kind of gave him an excuse. Every time I try to get down there, somebody beats me to it. You know? Sometimes things in our lives, and this has happened to me, sometimes things in our lives, our circumstances be, start to become our identity. Amen? Did you get that this morning? Our circumstances start to become who we are. And that's a cycle we got to break, people. When we see our loved ones going through that, you know, um, I have loved ones that are addicted to drugs. And I never call them a drug addict. <laughs> I never would. They have an addiction. There is an addiction plaguing their lives. Uh, I have loved ones who have um, battle with anxiety, battle with depression. I don't tell them they have it. You know, you can get a diagnosis for something, but in Jesus' name, I would never receive it. I would say, I battle anxiety. I battle depression, you know, and that doesn't make you any less of a person. It makes you real. But I'd never claim, and I'll never say, you know, um, I have depression. I, I would never say that. I would say I battle it. Amen? So, now listen. In, in looking at this guy and in, in his, in his time here, 38 years, I do have to believe that it became his identity. He was the guy at the busiest part of town who was probably receiving the greatest amount of alms, you know, and, and charity. And so he probably did fall into a bit of, a, of an identity to being the person who had his basic life-sustaining needs being met. But that's scary. See, now listen, I'm not a prosperity gospel preacher. And although it has its place, prosperity has its place in the Bible, um, but this guy, I can't believe that God wants us to live a life of just barely getting by. I don't believe that for a minute. 
Not for one minute do I believe that, that, that God wants us to just barely get by. I believe that he does want us to have a life and to have it more abundant. You know, but I do believe that the Lord is more concerned about our eternal place with him, our relationship with him. Amen? So um, everybody's level of contentment is different. Maybe this guy got completely content by, by just, getting bar- but just barely getting by. I don't know. I, I know for me, I can't accept that. You know, some of you may or may not know, but I'm, I'm Tyrone's borough manager. And about 15 years ago, I've been with the borough since 1992. And about, it must have been about 15, 16 years ago, uh, I was working at the water plant. And it's nice because at the water plant, you're there by yourself. So I, I'd turn up the praise and worship music. And I, honestly, I've, I've, sometimes I've felt the Holy Spirit more at that water plant than I have in churches, amen, <laughs> which is kind of scary. But... Uh, but yeah, I was, so I was you know, in my praise and worship, and I, was, I just got done cleaning the restroom, and, 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 and I was feeling God's call at that time to full-time ministry. But it just wasn't happening. Something wasn't clicking, you know? And I, I got down on, on, on my face before the Lord. Now, I cleaned up the restroom floor. I don't know what you think. I was on a nasty restroom floor. But as I was on my face praising and worshiping, you know, and all of a sudden, out of, out of the corner of my eye, I saw... Our toilet there. Now, you know, they said, Tommy, you need to grow up. I said toilet behind a pulpit and you're giggling. So, <laughs> so I, saw, I see the toilet out of the corner of my eye. And you know like where the, um, the, the bolts go down through the anchor bolts, that area of a toilet? It kind of gets grimy. It gets nasty. Well, I noticed that. And in my spirit, I felt the Lord saying, you could have cleaned that toilet better. You could have done a better job, Ardeen. So that wasn't the answer I was looking for, <laughs> but I thought at this point, you know, I'm just going to follow his lead. And sometimes that's what we have to do. We may not always understand, but we've got to follow his lead. So I get up and I scrub that toilet to the point where the Virgin Mary herself would be proud to go in there and go to the bathroom, you know. <laughs> so, and from there, um, you know, what I learned from that point on, and, and I can't explain this because it's hard to explain the Holy Spirit, but I had a spirit of contentment come over me like I have never felt before that in my life. And all it took was listening to God telling me to scrub a toilet a little bit better. Amen. I know it sounds crazy, but that's how he works. And so, you know, you fast forward and he puts me into a position of being the borough manager. And I realized I'm ministering. You know, I was thinking I needed a church, I needed this, I needed that to, to really truly be a minister. I have a desk in my office, and I have more people come in that are, that are going through something in this town than you can imagine. More opportunity to minister. And it just hit me one day. I was like, oh, Lord, okay, this is my church. I got gotcha. you. I got to figure it out now, you know, because his ways aren't our ways, amen? His ways are not our ways. We, we can't understand the mind of God. I think sometimes he has a little bit of trouble understanding mine. But, <laughs> but another thing, and I want you to get this this morning. Another thing I learned from that moment was, and this is important. If you get nothing else out of this message, I want you to learn this this morning. Faith isn't the goal. Faith is a part of an unseen process. Okay? Faith isn't the goal. Too many times we as Christians... We think, oh, Lord, I've got I to have more faith to get this. I've got to have more faith for, for my child to be, be uh, um, delivered from addiction. 
I need more faith for this. I need more faith for that. Listen, this guy didn't even know who Jesus was, and Jesus healed him. Amen? Sometimes all we got to do is direct him to the Savior and say, listen, I can't help you. I've done everything I can for you, but the one I represent, he can help you. He can take you to places that Dr. Phil can't cure and Oprah can't give away. Amen? <laughs> and, and that's what he's done in my life. Just like the song was saying this morning, you know, not for once, not for one minute has, has the Lord ever forsaken me in my life. When I look back at the issues I was going through, they were all Ardeen's self-imposed obstacles. And so I want you to get that this morning, that faith is a part of the unseen process of you eventually spending eternity with the Lord. Yeah, don't look at faith as your goal. Look at faith as your toll. It's a toll while we're here on earth. Because trust me, if I didn't have the Holy Spirit, if I wasn't walking by the power of the Holy Spirit through where I work, <laughs> Bill has an idea of what, of what goes on there, you know, but uh, I have people, I don't want to say on a daily basis, but definitely on a weekly basis, uh, really try to, to, to pull me into their moral direction. And trust me, it's not God's direction. So, you know, whenever I look back, look at them, and I say, listen, I'll get back to you on that, but I'm going to have to pray about it first. Man, you ought to see the eye, the looks you get. <laughs> you know, they look at you like you have three heads. Who are you gonna, you're going to pray about it before you talk to me? So one thing I noticed that we sometimes do as well, and I've got to ask you this this morning, and if you're easily offended, just tuck your toes under the chair because <laughs> I might step on them a little bit. <laughs> so, but keep in mind, I don't preach a message unless I, go, I received a message. So all I'm doing is feeding what I got beat up about to you. You have to ask yourself this morning, are you in love with the power of the Holy Spirit or are you in love with the saving grace that God provides us through his son, Jesus Christ? It's a legitimate question. So many times I find people in love with the healing more than the healer. Amen? And we've got to be cautious of that. We've got to be very careful in that because there are, there, that, when you begin to do that, the healing will stop like that. The miracles will stop in an instant. Because trust me, I believe in miracles. I've, I've seen miracles. I've seen way too much in this world to not believe that God can move the same way he did yesterday, today, and forever. You know, the way he moved back then, is, he's doing it today. And, and it does. It, it shocks me. And, and the, sometimes the fleshy side of me wants to try to rationalize it, try to say, well, you know what? Maybe I didn't see that tumor right. Maybe, I, I, maybe that person who said that they were deaf and I prayed for them and they were healed, maybe, maybe they were just doing that for a show, you know, and, uh, because those are the things that have happened. Um, but, but I got to the point in my Christian walk where I realized, let God worry about that stuff, amen? I'm just going to keep believing the miracles, you know, and if it, just like giving somebody $10 who is begging, you know, somebody will say, oh, don't, don't give him that. He's just going to drink it away. Well, that's on him. If the Lord led me to give him $10, you know, amen, I'm going to give him $10. God bless him. So I want you to think about that this morning. You know, are you in love with the power of the Holy Spirit or are you in love with the saving grace that God provides through his son, Jesus Christ? Almost, I would say just about every day, I pray for the faith that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego had. Amen? Because we are in a fallen world. A lot of bad happens here. Amen? 
you got the coronavirus going on and um, wars and rumors of wars and um, how do I find peace in that? The power of the Holy Spirit. The Spirit comes over me and gives me that contentment that I was just telling you about 15 years ago, hit me in a restroom at, you know, at, uh, up at work, and I've had it ever since. And it's just, I don't worry about it anymore. We, we, we can't allow those things to overtake our lives, because they will. They will. I've watched it happen to people. And, but, but Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that's how I want to be daily in my walk with the Lord. You know, whenever they said to, you know, Nebuchadnezzar, we will not bow down and worship your, your golden image. I always like to picture it like a, maybe it's like a big golden chicken, maybe because I like KFC. But, but whenever Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego said, Nebuchadnezzar, even if our Lord does not deliver us from your fiery furnace, we will not bow down to your image. Amen? That's, what we have, well, that's where we have to get. You know, if you, if you don't receive your miracle, if you don't receive a healing, you know, we, we need to get to the point where, it's, Lord, I don't care. I'm, I'm pushing for you. I want to be with you, Lord. I want to sit by the pool of Bethesda while your son, Jesus Christ, is navigating his way around the sick, the lame, the dying, and I want to take away whatever is separating me from him. Amen? And that's, that's how we have to get to that point in our Christian walk. Then no matter what happens, my soul is going to be with the Lord forever and ever. Amen? So... I need to ask you something else this morning. The fiery furnace that Nebuchadnezzar was going to throw these boys, or did throw these boys into. Do you have a fiery furnace this morning in, in your life? Is something going on in your life right now that is so overwhelming, and it's, it's just scaring you? It's scaring you to death. And you don't have the mindset of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego because you're worried God may not intervene in your situation. I'm here to tell you this morning, if that's, if that's happening to you, we're going to open up these altars in a little bit, and we're going to take away whatever is separating you from that relationship with God. Amen? There's a veil. The Bible talked about the veil in the temple. And that veil was 30 feet high, and it separated the regular sanctuary from the Holy of Holies, where the presence of God was, was to be. And... When Jesus died on the cross, the Bible specifically says that veil, that curtain was ripped into from top to bottom. You want to know why it actually says from top to bottom? Why it even says it at all? Because God inspired that writer to put that in there, that it was ripped from top to bottom to prove that there was no way that man ripped that veil. Amen? Because if it was ripped from bottom to top, then a man maybe could have done that. You have to be a strong man because of what it was woven with, the material. But there's a, there could be a curtain, there could be a veil right now in your life that's separating you from having that relationship with God that he desires to have with you. I want you to ask yourself this morning, what could that be? What could, what could be the veil in my life? You know, one thing with this message this week, the title of it changed I don't know how many times, but... Uh, the, the final title that I got from the Lord was The Veil Between Us. We need to separate that veil that's between us and God. And, and that doesn't come by anything small. It, may, it might mean you, you might need to let go of something. You might need to forgive somebody that 
you don't think needs forgiven. You know, Jesus said that before. He said, you know, when you're at the altar with your gift and you have something against somebody, you let your, your offering there and go make it right and then come back to the altar. And that's what, I want, that's what I'm feeling the Lord's leading us to do this morning because no matter what happened in your life, I don't know if it was your, your father, your mother, a spouse, a child, somebody. Somebody maybe did something to you. They created some animosity within you. So they created some anger within you. Some, some, some offense that gave the devil a little bit of a foothold. And that thing has grown and grown and grown, and you haven't even noticed it. But what you have noticed is a slow separation between you and the Lord. That's what we're going to deal with this morning. That's what, that's what I feel God is calling somebody here this morning, because I had to go through it. I feel that somebody else, there, there's somebody else here this morning too, and I'm not trying to speak like a psychic, like, oh, there's somebody out here and your name begins with B, <laughs> you know. I'm telling you, I'm talking, the Holy Spirit uh, has, has revealed to me that there's, there's, there's people who are hurting, and, and they don't understand how they can get rid of this pain. Well, there's a veil right now between you and the Lord that needs taken down, amen? Listen. I've been, I've been a, a Christian, I'm going to say 25 years, something like that. I wasn't raised in a church or anything. In fact, growing up, I actually thought that Jesus lived in a toilet because <laughs> I know this is going to sound funny, but every New Year's Eve, my dad would be talking to him in the toilet. You know, <laughs> he was sick because he drank too much. He got the brown bottle flu. But I want you guys to understand something, that I came from a, an area then where I had no mis- preconceived notions of, of a relationship with God. Sometimes it's, it's simply tradition that's preventing us from having that relationship with the Lord. Maybe we came from, you know, from a, a church that didn't believe, you know, in raising a hand in worship and shouting to the Lord or something, you know, but there's freedom in that, you know. But what that, maybe what that did over the years is, is it's created a, a reservation within you to, where, to the point where there's a veil between you and the Lord now. There's something separating you from having the relationship that he wants to have with you. Trust me, God wants so much more for us than we can even imagine. He's done it in my life. You know, you, you may think that, you know, Ardeen's life is a, is a big bowl of cherries, but I'm uh, being married to Robin, it is, but, but I can tell you that, you know, we've gone through some things. Amen? We've gone through uh, things that, that had us to our knees and, and, and in tears. The things that I, I guarantee the devil loved and God cried over. But you know what? The Lord was always there. Not for a moment was I forsaken. Because we, we, we persevered. We had to push through it. And, and God never once let up on us. You know, I, I was, uh, went through things when we were younger. And you know that we're, we're, we're tough. We all have. Everybody's got a story. Everybody has a testimony. You know, but not everybody has uh, a relationship with the Lord that he wants, that he desires to have with them. But I know you're here this morning, and you want that relationship with God. I can feel it. I can feel right now. I can feel uh, uh, fear in this room from, from some people. I can feel heartache. And I'll be honest with you, it's, it, it, it's, it's kind of hurting, you know, so I want Brent to come up 
uh, whenever you're ready, Brent. And we're going to open these altars. And I'm going to tell you something this morning. God's going to remove that veil that's between you and him. Amen? And we're going to see people released. Going to be released from, from anger, bitterness, jealousy, rage. You know, the, those are things that, that the, the devil delights in and God despises. That's, that's the veil in between you. Is, is it, it needs to be ripped away because God wants to have that relationship with you. You know, maybe we got to get like, as I was saying earlier, you know, whenever the, the, the guy said that, you know, every, every time I try to get to the pool, somebody beats me. Somebody gets there before I do. He didn't really give Jesus an answer. He gave him an excuse. Amen? Your, your answer this morning is the removal of that veil. And listen, if you're in a good place this morning, as we open up these altars, if you're in a good place this morning and you know that your relationship with the Lord is solid, I want you to extend your hand forward and pray for those who come up. Amen? Because there's nothing more powerful than what's referred to as concert prayer. Whenever God's people get together for one purpose and one goal, there is nothing more powerful than that. The devil hates it. The devil hates a praying family. He started it years ago. His way, he waged a war on America by starting with the families. He knew that if he could divide the families, he can divide the country. Look at us today. I, I do. I, I, I kind of fear for our country. But fortunately, there's a, there was no veil between me and the Lord, so he gives me a peace about it. I know our country's going to be fine. I know we're going to be fine. Why? Because my God's in control. He's in control of all things. And now, does he let things happen? Sure. And I'm not even going to try to answer for him, you know, if he doesn't move, if he doesn't rescue me from a certain plight I may have, a certain danger that may be around me. I'm just going to, I want to believe like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Even if I go into the fiery furnace, he's there with me. Amen. He's there with, he's here. Yeah, I'm telling you, he is in this place this morning. I can feel him so strong. And he just, he, he wants to deliver you from what's going on. Something's going on and it's, it's, it's inhibited your walk with the Lord. Well, God got your attention this morning. I believe it. So we're going to close. And, and I want you this morning to, in the name of Jesus, I want you to come to this altar and rip the veil. Let's rip that veil again from top to bottom. Amen. In the mighty name of Jesus, we're, we're going to do that this morning. Come quickly. You're here this morning. You've been feeling it. You, you felt the message this morning. And you know that the Lord is speaking to your heart. You know that God wants to take you further than he ever has before. There's something going on that, that just you, you can't quite grasp. You want more from him better relationship with him. You want, you want your family released from Satan's grip. He's been all over. He's been beating you up for years. Why are you taking it? You're taking it because maybe it's happened so subtly you don't even realize where you're at right now. I don't, I don't like whenever the devil beats on, his, on God's people. And God certainly doesn't like it when you allow him to do it. Has your, has your predicament, has your circumstance right now become your identity? Do you think that that's all you have? Do you think that that's all you can be and all you're ever going to be? 
God is speaking to you this morning. And we're going to rip that, that veil from top to bottom.